Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Today's guest is Steve Gross. He's the founder and chief playmaker of Life is Good Kids Foundation. That's a not-for-profit spreading the power of optimism to kids who need it most. Steve has an infectious enthusiasm, great life story, and deep love for his work. We're really grateful to have him with us here today. Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Madison from MS375. Hey, Madison, welcome today. I'm so excited to be co-hosting with you. How about telling our audience a little bit about who you are? I'm Madison. I'm 12 years old, and I go to Bronx Mathematics Preparatory School in Bronx, New York. So Madison, what are some things that you enjoy at your school? My favorite part about school is definitely seeing my friends because school is very boring, but friends make it fun. Why are you excited about speaking with uh, Steve Gross? Because he does like a lot of good things for kids my age or kids younger than me. And he helps people who have like not like don't really have the chances like I do because there's something traumatic going on in their life or something they can't really control. Let's not wait any longer. Let's bring in our guest, Steve Gross. Steve, we're so grateful that you're here today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. Madison, I'm excited to talk to you. I love that you talked about how your friends make things not boring because uh, friends are the greatest gift in the world. So I hope that you and I are now good friends. And by the end of this, we'll be lifelong buddies. That's my goal. Okay. All right, Madison, why don't you take it away? So my first question for you is, why did you want to start to have a career in social work? You know, I think that I realized at some point that, you know, the, the greatest thing we can do as people is that we can make a positive difference in other people's lives. And, you know, my dad taught me that growing up, actually. He used to say, hey, man, we don't have any control over our birth. You know, people are just born. And we find out at a certain age that no matter who we are, at some point, our life is going to end and we're going to die. And we don't have a lot of control about that. So he said to me, you know, we don't have control over our birth. We don't have a lot of control over our death. But the one thing that we do have control about is making somebody else's journey from birth to death better because we were there to help along the way. And I just kind of had this feeling like if I wasn't doing something to help people, I wouldn't really feel like life was all that meaningful. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, because when I first came to summer camp, I didn't really have any friends, and it was kind of, like, sad. Like, the activities we do are fun, but, you know, like, friends make it funner. But my friend, Lauren, came, and she, like, made me, like, happier to be here. Yeah, and, you know, the secret is when you are actually doing something that lifts somebody else up, it actually lifts you up, too. See, I don't do it because I'm a great person. You know, my reason for wanting to help people is actually pretty selfish. The selfish reason is that I know by doing that, I'm going to feel like I have some purpose in this world. And uh, I think everybody wants to feel like they have a purpose or they're bringing something special and valuable to the world. Yeah. So, Steve, 
Can you talk to me and Madison a little bit about Life is Good and and the foundation and the work overall, how the foundation came to be and so forth? Well, so Madison, have you ever heard of uh, Life is Good, the t-shirt company? I just heard about it today when they were telling me how you can find them on like the beach and mountains and stuff. Life is Good is a lifestyle company. And the focus is not about selling t-shirts and selling beach towels and all that stuff. The focus and the mission is about spreading the power of optimism. And that optimism is a person's capacity to see goodness and value in themselves, others, and in the world around them. Well, the Life is Good Playmakers, well, we're a nonprofit arm of Life is Good, and our focus is to spread the power of optimism to help kids heal from the impact of poverty, violence, and illness. And the way that we do that is by working with frontline childcare professionals and providing them training, resources, and support in how to build healing, life-changing relationships with kids how to create the types of safe, loving, joyful, and engaging environments that help kids to thrive. Do you play sports at all? Yeah. You know, in sports, if someone calls somebody a playmaker, it's a big compliment because they say that's a person that when the game is on the line, you want them to have the ball or the puck or whatever, because you know that moment's not going to be too big for that playmaker. And that playmaker is going to give it everything that they have to hopefully change the outcome of that game for the better. Well, playmakers in sports are really important, but playmakers in life are much more important. And what we mean by that is a playmaker in life is somebody who they make a positive, life-changing difference for a child at a really important time in their life. Mm -hmm. It might be a teacher where you're going through something hard, but that teacher sees you and notices you and helps you and changes kind of your path a little bit. But it also has another meaning, which is a playmaker, somebody who makes play happen. And play is not about the what you do. It is the how you do everything that you do. And what I mean by that is you don't have to just play hockey, play soccer, play basketball. You can play mathematics. You can play English. You can play science. Play is just when you feel like you are freely and joyfully engaging and exploring and connected. So like I'm playing right now. And so a playmaker makes everything a little bit more joyful, a little bit more connecting, a little bit more empowering just by tweaking and doing those little things. And I can imagine, Madison, that you got some playmakers in your life and they make you smile and they make you laugh. Mm -hmm. People who have trauma, they need to be around people who like lift up their spirits and stuff. Was your inspiration to help kids with trauma be around other kids who also have trauma so they can help each other and bring each other's moods up? Well, you know, at first I wasn't even really sure, Madison, that it was about trauma. Life is traumatic for everybody. And what I mean by that is, you know, life isn't easy for everybody. Everyone in the world at some point in time is going to go through struggles. We're going to lose people that we love. There's going to be hardships in every person's life. And sometimes it's what we do with those hardships that really help to define our lives. And I can tell you, for me, one of the reasons I know I was 
good at working with kids and that I wanted to work with kids is when I was your age or a little bit younger, I went to a summer camp, an overnight camp, and I didn't do well there. Man, kids would make fun of me, teasing me. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was homesick. And some of the counselors weren't very nice or supportive at all. Some were even kind of abusive. And then there were other counselors at the camp who were really nice. And I remember having such a hard time when I was a little kid and feeling so bad about myself. I remember thinking to myself, when I get older, I will make sure that no kid has to feel what I felt. So when I think about this memory of like not enjoying and having a really hard time at camp, yeah, it might've been a hard memory, but I won't call it a bad memory because that experience I think helped to soften me and make me maybe a more loving, compassionate and sensitive person. So if I didn't have that hardship, I don't know if I ever would have even went into this field. And I'm sure you're not like the only person who feels that way. I knew what it felt like to be a kid who feels like they have no friends and that doesn't have a lot of confidence and that feels really kind of lonely and vulnerable. That was kind of my motivation to do something to, to help kids so they didn't have to feel some of the things that I felt. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I realized I was good at when I was younger, even like just not even that much older than you, was I had a job at a summer camp and I was, you know, an assistant counselor. And my job was to help kids have fun. And the biggest challenge was how do you help kids have fun who aren't having fun? You know, some kids would just jump in, they're having fun, they're having a great time with or without you. But there were some kids that weren't having fun, maybe because they didn't know how to make friends or they were afraid to try new things, or they didn't feel they had a lot of confidence. And I found that I kind of gravitated to those kids. Like I took that as a challenge. Like I want to help this little boy and little girl feel good about themselves. I want to help them make friends. I want to help them to feel special. And I kind of realized that was my talent was being able to connect and play with kids in a way that helped those kids to feel better about themselves and the world around them. And so when I decided that I wanted to do more kind of counseling work, I started to think, well, who do I want to focus my counseling on? Maybe I wanted to work with kids who didn't have as many options as some of the kids that lived in my community. I had a lot of privileges. And then I started to notice, well, there were other kids that didn't have those privileges. So I decided that I wanted to try to make sure that all kids had opportunities to feel connected, to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel special, and to really just be able to play. And so I started focusing my initial work with kids who were living in homeless shelters throughout the greater Boston area. So that's how you like started to put your plans into motion? Yeah. Well, it was funny when I was coming up and I was like your age, music videos just started to be introduced. Have you ever heard of MTV? Yeah, I have. So MTV came out and there was this music video of this song that I love. And it was called Another Day in Paradise. It was by a singer named Phil Collins. And he talked about for most of us, life is like another day in paradise. But you see other people who are struggling They're living on the streets. They don't have the same supports. They don't have the same friends. They don't have the same community. 
And for those folks, it's not another day in paradise. And I remember when I saw that video, I was like, oh, wow, how do I help? How do I contribute so that other people can feel like they're living in a form of paradise? And uh, so that song motivated me to say, like, I want to do something to help other people. But then it was interesting because I didn't know what to do. And I, I met with someone who I was going to use as a consultant, somebody who was a little bit, you know, who was older, more experienced. And I shared with him my idea. And he was like, well, why are you going to be good at that? And I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, do you have experience doing that? Like there's other organizations like the Red Cross, that that's what they do. Like, and he used a, a funny term. He said to me, what is your distinct competence? I was like, what? He's like, well, what are you good at, man? Because it's one thing to want to help, but what can you do that's helpful? And that might be more helpful than somebody else. And, and I, I thought about it, man. I remember leaving that meeting. I was like bummed out. I was like, shoot, I don't have a distinct competence. I don't think I'm really good at anything. You know, at that point, that's how I felt. And then I thought, well, I guess I'm kind of good at playing with kids and building relationships with kids. And then I later learned that the fastest growing segment of the homeless population were children. And that being homeless wasn't just no home. It was no home, no stability, no security, sometimes not a lot of community and friends, not a lot of joy. So sometimes homeless was joyless or loveless or funless. And I said, okay, I want to try to figure out something that I can do. And my goal and my team's goal will be about bringing joy to kids. I heard what you said about this man asking you, oh, what are you good at? And stuff like that. I feel like the thing that you are, the thing anyone should be good at is wanting to help other people. I feel like that's a good thing in itself. Yeah. You know what? You're a wise person because that's true. You know, once you have that desire, once you see yourself as wanting to help somebody, you know, the how you do it is not as important. But when you figure out like your why, like why, like that's what I knew. Why do I want to exist? Why, like what do I want my life to be about? I would sometimes ask myself, why am I here? Like what am I supposed to do while I'm here? And so figuring out that why about helping somebody, then all I had to figure out was the what. I was just wondering like about the ages. Do you also help adults with your services or is it just people under the age of 18? I don't do a lot of work with young children anymore. What we do in our organization is we provide training and support and coaching to adults who are working with young children. And our focus is to help them create environments and experiences that help kids develop a sense of joy, self-confidence, connection, inspiration. But I always let the care providers know that they can't help kids find those things unless they first find those things for themselves. You can't spread to others what you don't have for yourself. So if I wanted to help you grow a sense of joy, it would be impossible for me to do it if I wasn't coming into it with some joy of my own. And so I think part of our work in helping adults 
work more effectively with children is to help adults find their own sense of joy, connection, empowerment, and inspiration. What are some other ways that people like me or, you know, other citizens can help you improve your organization? My work isn't about preserving my organization. The organization is there to serve children and make sure that children, you know, get to grow up in safe, loving, joyful, inspiring environments. So I think that whenever people are doing that, they're supporting that work. There's a lot of things that you can do, even if you're not a staff member, that helps everyone else to have a great experience. When people stick up for kids, when people aren't treating them well, when you invite children in and make sure that everyone's having a good time, you know, you can have more impact sometimes on the quality of a child's experience at a program than even the staff can. Because what a difference it makes just by taking somebody under your wing and saying, hey, you're with us now. Hey, let's be friends. Hey, do you want to play? Just being good to other people, being what I like to call a playmaker, where you lift people up when they need to be lifted, that's helping the cause. Yeah. When you can do something that you love and then do it in a way that it helps to lift other people up, that's almost like the perfect formula. I think that sometimes when people think about helping people, they think about, like, for me, you're giving. You're giving to other people. And I always say, no, I'm not just giving to other people. I'm receiving from other people because I love the relationship. I love the connection. I'm learning from them. Because if all you're doing is giving, but you're not receiving anything back, eventually one day you kind of become depleted. You're like emptied out because you gave everything you had. But if you're giving and also receiving because you feel the joy of helping, you feel the joy of ice skating, you feel the joy of working with your good friend who you love working with, well, then you're never going to get burnt out. You're getting more than you're giving. And I think that's a trick to being in service for a long time. I get more than I give. And because of that, I still love what I'm doing. And it's been a long time. I mean, I'm getting pretty darn old. Madison, you were fantastic today. So I greatly appreciate you co-hosting with me. And Steve, on our show, we ask our guests always the same question. If you could give your 13-year-old self advice, knowing what you know now, what would that advice be? Wow, my 13-year-old self. I think that there's a couple of pieces of advice. One would be to just be kind you know, to make sure that if you want to make people laugh, don't do it at somebody else's expense. Because, you know, if you want to make fun of anybody, make fun of yourself a little bit if you're going to use that kind of humor. But that words are powerful. And sometimes you think you might just be getting a laugh from a group of people, but you might, it might have been at the expense of hurting somebody's feelings. People say sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And that's actually not true. Names can hurt people and they can hurt them emotionally and psychologically. And even eventually that can turn into kind of a physical impact. So just keep treating people with kindness. It always pays off. 
I would also say to try to be your authentic self and don't worry so much what other people think of you. If somebody makes fun of you, no problem. You don't have to take that in. That's another thing, Madison, I want to tell you is like, sometimes when you're a kid, everyone tells you, what do you got to be upset about? It's easy being a kid. Being a kid is awesome. It's harder when you get older. I really don't agree with that. I actually think it's harder to be a kid. I think that, you know, your best days, your best joys, your best moments, they're all ahead of you. Because I think being kids kind of hard sometimes. It is. I hate it when people invalidate your feelings just because you're a kid. Exactly, man. I don't think I ever felt sadder than times that I felt sad when I was 12 years old or lonelier at different times or more afraid. So I think like, you know, if you do it right, life gets better as you get older because you get wiser. You start to feel more comfortable with who you are. Yeah. I used to care a lot. I mean, I want to be a good human being, but if they think I'm weird because I'm riding a skateboard, well, that's okay. I'm just being me. But I remember when I was 12, I cared a lot about what people thought. I wouldn't wear a certain pair of pants because I was afraid someone's going to make fun of me. Yeah, I totally get it. My friend Lauren, she came to school with like some huge unicorn slippers, a reindeer pajama thing on pajama day. And everyone was looking at her like she was crazy, but she didn't really care. Then the more I started to hang out with her, like I started to become crazy too. And I came to school with like a Minion book bag. And to be honest, let's say I came to school and I was like conscious about it, like walking in class, covering it. People seem to care a lot more than if you just walk into class proud of it on your back. That's right. I remember going to the barber and I used to have hair, but I was losing my hair. And I said to the barber, like, I kind of want to shave all my hair off, but I don't know, man. I don't think I'm going to look good. I'm not going to be confident. People might make fun of me. He said, no, no, no. He said, being bald is an attitude. You got to own it. You got to walk in the room and own who you are. And I remember going like, okay, let's do it. And I took it off. And then I said, I'm going to own it. And when you own it, like, and whatever that it is, but own who you are, you know? Yeah. I feel like the more confidence you have with things, people look for others' validation to see if they should bully you for it or make fun of you for it. Yeah. Just be yourself. And you know what, if people are going to make fun of you for being yourself, then you try to let it roll off because they're not good friends anyway. They got to love you for being you. They got to see you and the real you. Well, thank you both so much. And Steve, thank you always for being so generous with your time. With Always. You just let me know. I'm always happy and, and grateful to be able to work with great people. All right. I'll see you all later. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick. My co-host today was Madison from MS375 in the Bronx. She was assisted by Corey Ash Bradford and Divine Garland. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. This episode was produced by David Hoffman and Tasha Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. 
Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.